Well, hello once again, and welcome to the kitchen table here with Arctic Eric. I so appreciate you taking this time to be with me here at the kitchen table as we continue to look at Philippians chapter 3 out of the New Living Translation. This is our third part as we sit here together at the kitchen table and look at Philippians chapter 3. Beginning at verse 10, Paul is writing, as we know, and he's writing that he wants to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That's the first part of verse 10. Let's break it down a little bit here at the kitchen table. You know, I know you have lots of things you can do in your day, and I just want to say thanks for taking these few minutes to be here with me at the kitchen table. Okay, Paul says, I want to know Christ. And that word is so important to understand when we read it. And that is not only knowing about Christ, which is a very important piece of the puzzle, but to make acquaintance with Christ, to know Christ experientially, not just theoretically. As I've said many times here at the kitchen table, in my own walk with Jesus, I'm constantly wanting to search the scripture for him. And when I find him in that objective written word of God, I ask the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit to help me experience that which is being revealed. That goodwill of God, the purposes and plans of God, the things that God in Christ desires to do for, in, and through me, according to Scripture, that I subjectively, experientially receive them, walk in them, and that they're lived out through me. And I believe that's the same for all of us who love him. And we love him, of course, why? Because he first loved us. Paul goes on to say, and that he wants to experience the mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Now, there's no greater power than that. God himself Without the help of anyone, you know, we know that the disciples were, some of them were disowning them, disowning him, not acknowledging they knew him. They were hiding away. There was no intercessory prayer group, but God himself chose to reach down and to raise his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead to our justification. And when we trust in him, we become right with God. Now, this mighty power is in you and it's in me and all who believe in Jesus, because when we believe, we receive the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is that mighty power in us that raised Christ from the dead. But Paul says, I don't want to just run around with it. No, I want to experience. Listen. God wants you to experience the mighty power of Christ on the inside of you. Of course, it began with the new birth. It begins as God's word works in you and transforms you by his amazing transforming grace where your thought life is changed. Your character is reformed after the image of Jesus Christ where you begin to see God's spirit's fruit 
being born in your life. But there's more. There is that outpouring of the expression of Jesus Christ's resurrection power in you to those around you. And I think about the miracles that I have seen God's amazing grace perform through my life in the lives of others. God wants us all to experience that, and I believe he wants us to experience it continually. Paul goes on to say, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Listen, we're to count ourselves as dead. We're to reckon ourselves as dead. You know, it's only dead people that need this mighty power that raised him from the dead. If we're alive to ourselves, born again or not, but we're alive to ourselves, we're trying to accomplish kingdom expansion in our own lives or in others' lives through our own ability, our own power, and our own strength, we're going to fail. But Paul says, I want to share in his death so that resurrection power will enable me. Resurrection power will be the source of life in my life. Why? Again, here he says, so that in one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection of the dead. That one way or another. Listen, God's desire is that you and I, along with Paul, experience this resurrection power. It isn't enough just to know it intellectually and to quote the Bible verses about it. No, we are to be made acquainted not only with Christ, but with this mighty power. We're to understand it experientially. We are to experience it. How does that happen? Well, through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that when he said, greater things will you do because I go to the Father. Well, he's been to the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father praying for you today. And he has sent the precious person of the Holy Spirit who is the one who does the good works. Verse 12, Paul is saying, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. You know, none of us have attained the full fruit of the Spirit, but we have the fullness of the Spirit. God's at work in you. His desire is to perfect, to mature that which he began. That's his desire. So we don't focus on what needs to be done, and we don't focus on what has been done. We focus on Christ, who is our perfection, and who is working perfection, maturity, in us according to his good timeline and according to his good plan as we spend time with him in Scripture. He says that Jesus Christ first possessed me. Listen. You're a Christian today because Jesus Christ himself made it possible for you to hear that good news, to surrender, to capitulate, and to believe. Amazing grace. Wow, exciting, isn't it? So we're going to press on to possess the perfection. How? Why? What? Yes, possess that perfection for which Christ has perfected us. So we're continually reaching out to Jesus. Verse 13, 
No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Oh, may God help us here today at the kitchen table to forget the past. You know, Paul discussed it earlier on, in earlier uh, here in chapter 3. Listen, even the good things, th- they can be a hindrance to the best. Forgetting the past. God needs to work that in us that we forget the past and we continually look forward with our eyes upon Jesus to what lies ahead. And what lies ahead is more of Christ and glorification. God has begun in Christ a good work in you. And there is a heavenly prize. It's glorification, and he's calling us to that. It's nothing we can do. All we can do is hear his call and respond by faith, saying, Yes, Lord, let your will be done. Work that mighty power in and through me that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to experience more of you. Verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. So who are, what is, what does spiritual maturity look like? Well, obviously, the spiritually mature person is number one, born again. It's someone who has allowed the Holy Spirit through submitting to the Holy Spirit as the teacher to illuminate Scripture. And that when this Scripture is illuminated, that that person then says, yes, let this become real in my life. Help me to exercise maturity in discerning good and evil. It isn't just what a spiritual person knows, but a spiritually mature person is someone who uses what he knows. Spiritual maturity is the result of careful exercise, carefully submitting to Scripture, carefully submitting to the person of the Holy Spirit, carefully submitting to God's will being done through the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside. He says, Agree on these things, but if you don't agree on some point, leave that brother or sister alone. If there are those who don't agree, if there are those who think it's trying to do their best for God, just leave them alone, love them, be available for them, and when it falls apart, be there to carefully and humbly lift them back into eyes on Christ alone. God will make it plain to them. But what is Paul saying to you and I today? Hold on to the progress we've already made. What does that mean? Don't go from God who began a good work in you and who will complete it under the day in Jesus Christ through that amazing, enabling, empowering grace for the believer, which is God's power, God's strength, and God's ability to work and complete what he began. Don't go from that into your own attempts to complete what God has begun. 
That's what he wants us to hold on to. Hold on to the understanding and the acquaintance and the experience of Christ. Hold on to the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside as he holds on to you that you might experience this power, this maintaining, sustaining, keeping power. Oh, how exciting it is. Listen, it's been good here at the kitchen table with you. As I say, this was part three of Philippians out of the New Living Translation. It has been marvelous being with you here at the kitchen table. I look forward to the next time we meet. Until then, I pray the best prayer that I know, and that is that God's good, perfect, and acceptable will be done in, for, and through your life today. Good day. Will you do?